This is Todd Hockenberry, co-author of Inbound Organization, how to build and strengthen your company's future using inbound principles. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, just connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. And if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. I'll have more on Blinkist in a few minutes. And now on with the show. Today, we welcome Todd Hockenberry to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about the new book he has co-authored with Dan Tyre, Inbound Organization, How to Build and Strengthen Your Company's Future Using Inbound Principles, published by Wiley. Todd Hockenberry founded and runs Topline Results, a management consulting firm specializing in helping companies change and grow with inbound marketing and sales, matching best practice inbound strategies to each company's particular situation and goals. He has helped hundreds of clients grow their businesses over the past decade. And interesting fact, Todd once ran for Pennsylvania State Representative. Todd, congratulations on Inbound Organization and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Doug. It's a thrill for me to be here. I uh, I listen to your podcast religiously, and uh, I'm thrilled to be a guest. Oh, super! And you mentioned you reached out to me. I mean, we've met before and know each other. And you reached out to me around uh, the the beginning of 2017 and said, "I've got this book coming. I'd like you to consider it for the podcast." And it was like, "Holy cow! If you and Dan Tyre are writing a book, you're in. Just send it to me. I don't even need to see it first. So I've been really very excited about the book, and uh, we can talk more about that. And I'm going to tell you about how it's going to kind of play a role in, in, in my business. But I, the, about the state representative thing, you, uh, it was in the podcast, or excuse me, it was, in the, um, it was in the book. And my sense, Todd, was that you weren't, this is when you were living in Pennsylvania, you're now in Florida, you weren't terribly interested in politics, but you were so fed up with your elected representation that you finally said, I could beat this guy. And you talk about the campaign and it, you actually applied inbound principles to it. You lost the election by like one half of 1%, I think. Yep. And two years later, another candidate ran and you didn't run, but you were the campaign manager for the guy that did run. And you guys beat the entrenched incumbent and most of the other local hacks were booted from office and some were even indicted for corruption and the ringleader went to jail. <laughs> well played, good sir. That is a true story. And uh, the, the, the young man who took uh, who won that seat eventually held it for the last 10 years and is now actually running for U.S. Senate. So um, wow. we, we started something that was interesting, and it, it just goes to show you that if you have enough passion and focus um, and you pick a good persona and you, you stick with it, that you can, you can do just about anything. Yeah, that's terrific. That's terrific. So, Todd, tell us the story of how this book came to be and why you and Dan decided to write it. Yeah, Dan Tyre uh, is one of the senior VPs at HubSpot. I think he was employee number six, and uh, he and I have been friends for years. He was the first sales employee, wasn't he? Yes, correct. Uh, like you and I, we met through uh, HubSpot at the HubSpot user group that turned into Inbound. So we were, I believe I met you at Inbound in 2012, I That's believe it correct. was. And Dan was there, and we got to know each other, and we'd done a few projects over the years and stayed in contact. And about a year and a half ago... 
Dan and I were both speaking at an event and at an event in California uh, for manufacturers. And uh, so we decided to get together before the event, and have coffee and just catch up. So Dan is being very empathetic and a good inbound salesman asked me how my business was going and if, he, if I could use any of his help or if there's anything he could, he, we could uh, collaborate on. And I told him that, that we were seeing more and more traditional inbound marketing clients requiring more high level management change kind of consulting services that, that the inbound marketing piece wasn't enough to affect the organizational change they needed. And as soon as I said that to Dan, he jumped out of his seat. And if you know Dan, he's a very easily excitable person. Mm -hmm. He jumped out of his seat and said, I talk about the inbound organization. I speak about that all the time. And um, we realized that we were both kind of parallel pathing this idea that the inbound principles that worked so well over the last 10 years for the marketing side while they had migrated into sales to some degree, they weren't permeating across the entire organization. So that was our central theme. And I said, well, I want to write a book because my business uh, has been an inbound HubSpot partner for years and we want to kind of go to the next step, next level. And so a book was part of the strategy for our business. And and it was obvious at that point that that was the right um, topic. So Dan and I agreed to collaborate and, and um, over the last year and a half, we put this book together. Uh, we interviewed dozens and dozens of senior HubSpot uh, managers. We, so we had a lot of access to the core key people at HubSpot and how they really run that business. But you also Plus, interviewed a lot of non-HubSpot companies. Exactly, yes. So we wanted to get a broad range of different types of companies, whether they were service businesses or manufacturing, some larger companies, some smaller companies. We wanted to get a good cross-section to show that the ideas behind impact, or excuse me, the ideas behind inbound, if applied across the organization, would affect a, a monumental change. And in fact, that if you don't apply the inbound ideas across your organization to, to deal with the changes in the modern buyer, which many of your guests have spoken about very eloquently. If you don't change your entire business and not just marketing, that you run the risk of missing uh, the, the next wave of change and you, you miss what your buyers want you to be. And um, so that's really why we wrote the book. And um, it was an interesting process because Dan and I are both busy people. And uh, I learned a whole lot about uh, the, the idea of focusing and, and, and really narrowing down your topic. And, and um, um, I think we were successful in that our goal was to make a very practical book for business owners um, th that they could use day in, day out with very specific advice on the steps they need to do to adopt inbound across their business and uh, adapt to the changes in buyer and be in a position to grow the way they want to grow. Well, I would say you've uh, succeeded uh, many times over, and here's why, if you don't mind me getting a little personal here. This book, I loved it, and it really scratched an itch for me, and, and here's why. So at that conference, maybe maybe the 2014 conference, I can't remember. I remember our, our mutual friend, uh, Marcus Sheridan, was yes. give, he was giving a talk, and Marcus is the author of a terrific book called They Ask You Answer, and he's been on the podcast, and we'll include a link to his interview in your episode's show notes, but he gave a talk, and it was just to agency, uh, HubSpot partners. You might have been in the room. I was there, and he talked about how the number one reason that you know what we do and lots of marketers do in terms of trying to uh, take a more magnetic approach to marketing rather than using a megaphone to shout at a non-existent captive audience, he said the number one reason it fails is because of a lack of buy-in. And by then, I'd already had a couple engagements with the clients where I thought, gosh, he nailed it. That is exactly, there were great opportunities we had and the management didn't understand. Like the marketing people were on board, but not the CEO. And that's when he explained that he was starting to only do workshops with companies as a first step towards working with them. Because if he didn't do the workshop, uh, he wasn't going to have much of a chance at getting buy-in. Well, at that point, myself and lots of other of our friends, we said, we're in. that. I, no more. We're only, <laughs> only going to get buy-in. Well, this book is a book now that I'm going to buy for uh, serious prospects where they're talking about us coming in and helping them. It's almost like I want to say, uh, here, uh, here's the cost for the initial engagement. And uh, if you read this book, if your CEO reads this book, I'm going to discount the engagement. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, 
we we focus on our persona when we were writing the book. And um, anybody that knows me knows that my business, Top Line Results, has a persona, and, and his name's Walt. And we've been very, very specific about the kind of companies we work with. Walt is a is a, is a business owner, a B2B company, tends to be technical. Again, we have a very detailed persona that we've stuck to and been it's helped us be very successful. And when we were writing the book, I had Walt the persona outline on my computer. I stared at it every day when I was writing and Dan and I were collaborating on this book. So Walt was the primary persona, which is really the business owner. But the, the secondary persona was you and I. It was for businesses that are HubSpot partners or marketing agencies that were trying to convince prospects and customers that they really needed to adapt and change. Uh, so th- that was that persona of the, the, the agency was front and center in our mind as we were writing this. And uh, because Dan's a lot of Dan's work is with partners, training them on the HubSpot an inbound methodology. So he's living that world as well. And, and I certainly have a lot of connections to HubSpot partners. So um, this was, it was one of the purposes of the book uh, as well, for sure. Well, no wonder it resonated with me. Now you <laughs> tell me that. Um, so uh, Todd, there's just one part uh, at the beginning of the book I want to read just so the, the listener can get a, a, a deeper understanding of, of the book. And then we got a couple things I, I really want to go into you with it. So this is uh, from the, um, from the preface. This book is about the principles, ideas, and tactics. We see people successfully adopt that transform organizations into strong, enduring customer-centric businesses that are adept at building relationships that create competitive advantage. An inbound-focused business creates an amazing culture that treats employees and customers like human beings. This book reveals the beliefs, principles, and strategies of these successful inbound organizations so that you can transform your organization into one too. This book is intended to help leaders apply inbound practices across an organization and instill a new holistic way of thinking about the entire business. This book is not just about marketing or sales, but how all departments fit together to deliver what buyers want today while creating a culture that fosters sustained success. And I could just go on and on <laughs> to the next page. But you say in the book uh, towards the beginning that we used to live in an outbound world and today we're living in an inbound world. But explain what you mean there. Well, there's many people that have been on this podcast that have talked about the changes in buyer behavior. So we know that that without a doubt, the internet and digital technology, the smartphone changes people's behavior. And, and how they buy products, how they research products. Again, this is not new ground. But what what hasn't changed as much is is organizations' reaction to that. Clearly, marketing has changed, and, and inbound marketing and digital marketing have have clearly skyrocketed. And interruptive marketing or outbound marketing has has decreased clearly in terms of budget spend. Uh, the effort people put into it, um, the number of companies and technology that are applied to it. But we're still, we believe, most companies are still operating with a pre-internet age business structure. And the impact of that is their structure, top to bottom, isn't aligned with the way buyers now want to buy and interact with companies they work with. So we talk to, say, a traditional business and say, think about how you interact with somebody like Amazon or Uber or these the, the app kind of technology. These people want the same types of interactions and experiences with B2B companies. Now, I'm not saying you have to sell a piece of capital equipment with a, with an app, but what you do have to do is you have to, you have to respond digitally. You have to have multiple channels to connect with people. The experience and the expectations of people are changing rapidly, and that's what businesses have to change top to bottom to adapt to. We believe that, that every single person in the organization needs to understand the customer, how they are, uh, what kind of experience they have with the com- your company, how they want to, ha- what kind of experience they want, and how each person impacts that. So, we talk even in the book about the financial people and the legal department, IT, yeah, and IT, and about how they have all have a role in impacting the customer experience. And um, as some, I, I don't remember who said this quote. It's in the book: "Is customer experience is the new marketing," mm-hmm. and because. Everything's digital because you're, there's, there's no secrets anymore. You're, you're rated. You're ranked. Your salespeople could be evaluated online. Da- information shared about the, the, the process of buying from you. Your service interactions. Um, you think about um, social media and how people can complain or, or comment about your, your 
um, how you handle your business online. I just had a comp- customer yesterday that's very traditional business. Company's over 100 years old. And they make a very, very traditional kind of industrial product. And they posted a story on Facebook that was a case study about a very specific company that used their products. And somebody commented and said, well, my experience wasn't that good. They didn't really pay that much attention to me, like you're saying in this story. And it was a very, very public kind of slap to their to what they were claiming for their experience. So what they did, they were very smart. They responded quickly. The person came back. They pulled the comment down and actually posted another one and said, I'm sorry for that. Actually, it was my fault. They, they, they recanted. The, the complainer recanted. The complainer recanted, okay. yes. So, But the point was that every part of the experience uh, and every part of the, every interaction adds up to that experience. And that's what is going to be your best marketing moving forward. So to bring this question all the way back around, why this is important is that if we believe this is the age of buyer control and the buyers have more information control and control of the process and the pace of that process, then the only response is that everyone in your business needs to understand it and know how they impact it and then behave that way every day, all day, every interaction, all the time to be successful moving forward. It, it's not enough just to do inbound marketing or content marketing and expect that to work. Uh, it may work to do some uh, generating awareness on the front end, but what happens when that lead gets to your sales department? What happens when that lead gets to your contract uh, uh, negotiation process or even payment or, or implementation or onboarding or delivery or what happens six months down the road? All of those pieces of the process add back up to that experience and they all have to be carried out by people that understand inbound, understand the core beliefs, and understand that that's the expectation of buyers today. Um, that's, the, that's the sea change we see. Yeah, you say at the, towards the end of the book that your service organization is more important than your sales organization when it comes to generating net new customers. And the thing that was such a you know, uh, it was so consistent with some of these terrific books that have been on the podcast is it talks about how the customer experience is the most important marketing that you have. Because your customers will do your um, best marketing for you. They will for share. For better or worse, yeah. For better or worse. They'll market, they'll, they'll comment, they'll rate, they'll rank, they'll share. Um, I just got back from a persona uh, project I did with a client yesterday uh, where we delivered the results. And what we found was that at, at a very high level, the vast majority of their customers were coming from referrals and recommendations. So it clearly pointed to a strategy of managing things like LinkedIn contacts and staying with people after they change jobs and, and staying with those companies and those contacts for the long term. So it had to do with it not just getting the sale and getting the product out there for the first time, but maintaining that relationship, creating uh, the idea of customer success, which is different than service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, we talk about that in the book. Service is a reactive thing. Traditional service is we have a customer, they have a problem, they call us, or they go, um, they, they hit a chat, or they go on a helpline, or they look at a frequently asked questions or some resources. That's a reactive thing. Whereas customer success is a specific group of people who are dedicated to making sure your customers are successful with your product or service. Mm-hmm. And that means that their goals are being met, that the promises that were made in the early part of the buyer journey by your marketing, then by your sales, and, and then clearly um, by their expectations once they buy your product, that they're successful with it. So that's where your service and success team after sale becomes your best salesperson because not only will you be able to upsell and cross-sell to those customers to a greater degree, you'll keep them longer and then they become your advocates, not only as referrals, but as, as references for other companies, but they'll share and they'll tell your story for you. And again, there's the old sales cliche, you know, it takes seven times more to get a new customer that does to keep an old one. Well, it's probably more than seven times. It may be 20 times. I don't know what the date is. I've seen lots of different numbers, but that's the principle in action that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, just for the benefit of maybe somebody that's uh, not quite as familiar, if we could just uh, tackle a couple of definitions, can you explain what is meant by the concept of inbound marketing uh, and, and inbound sales? We've talked about inbound service. Sure. Uh, inbound marketing is is um, 
is an attractive form of marketing as opposed to an interruptive form. Inbound marketing is uh, creating essentially content and information, educational material that people love and sharing it where they want to see it, whether it's online, uh, it could be at events, it could be social media. um, And then you attract people to you um, as opposed to selling product, you're talking about um, how you help them and how you make their world better. And an, an interesting thing happened, Doug, and all the people we we interviewed, and we asked people to define inbound. And it was interesting. We didn't ask them to define inbound marketing. We asked them to define what they thought inbound meant. And the one thing that was 100% consistent across every person we asked, and it was hundreds, was the idea of help. It was the idea that it was about being helpful first. The idea is that you're going to help in your marketing first before you expect to get any return. And that that's the core of, of um, inbound in terms of not only, I think, the overall principle, but certainly marketing. Whereas traditional outbound marketing is more interruptive and it's more product focused and it's more kind of you know spray and pray kind of thing where you're going to have a, try to hit a large, large audience to get a relatively small re- number of people return. Inbound is different. It's going to be more targeted, more focused, and more helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so adding on that inbound sales, the idea there is that your sales team follows on that same kind of thinking and is going to personalize their interactions to the, to the contact where they are in the buyer journey, to their specific situation, and they're also going to then customize their response um, to, to that particular person as opposed to saying, you know, run them through a five-step process, jam them in a demo, you know, kind of run them all through the same process. It's, it's definitely a more personal and customized way to sell. And, um, uh, inbound selling is, is, uh, again, we talk a lot about it in the book, but it, the, the, the biggest difference is that it's really about people selling to people and thinking about them first, putting their goals at the, at the front center of the process and then personalizing and customizing it to them. Right. And so like the difference between uh, traditional selling versus inbound selling is, you know, uh, uh, not to oversimplify this, but it's it's a bit of empathy. <laughs> In other words, to w- what is going to be helpful for that particular prospect at that particular time? And am I, am I helping them rather than talking about myself and my products and rushing to get through my, my product spiel? And I guess the, the thing that just continues to puzzle me, I know why it's a bad idea for companies now more than in the past to keep talking about themselves and their products rather than their customer problems and pains. But why, why is it so hard for companies to understand that? Is it, do you think it's in part because like the, the executives, the top level folks came up at a different era when you had a captive audience that you could shout at and they had to listen to your message? I think that's part of it. Uh, you really hit the key word, Doug. If you're going to help somebody, you have to have empathy, right? That's the flip side. E- empathy is the key piece because if, if you're going to create a, a process and an experience that matches the buyer's behavior and the buyer's expectation, then you have to understand them. You have to really go out of your way to understand that buyer. And it's so much easier just to pitch product and talk about yourself because that's what you know. And I would say even people that have a technical bias or a technical background, mechanical, certainly a lot of people I deal with in the industrial world, they are very comfortable with that. So they default to what's comfortable. And I am consistently shocked. I guess I shouldn't be shocked now after 10 years of doing this. How many people don't understand or implement this very, very basic idea? And I see it and and I would I would challenge the audience to do the same thing. Look at either your client or your website and and Look at it as the way your customer or your visitor would look at it. Is it about them or is it about you? And again, I had a, another call this week with a prospect, and that's, that was the one message I left him with. I said, you know, your website, you're, you're a huge company, multiple $100 million company. And I said, I don't see anything about your customer anywhere on your website. It's all about you. It's about what you do. It's about us. It's about my t- our team. It's about our products. It's about our services. Here's our catalogs. Here's our specs. 100% about them. That is not what people want. That's not inbound marketing. Inbound marketing starts with them, with your target audience, and works its way backwards to you. Again, again, this is not a new concept, Doug. Lots of your guests have said this, but I, I don't see it in practice. Uh, I'm s- constantly surprised at how many times I, this is the fundamental problem I see with clients. And it's, um, it's a habit. I think it's an easy thing to default to. 
it takes work to empathize and to get in their head and, and to understand the persona and really put yourself in their shoes to understand what uh, Clayton Christensen calls the job to be done and then work backwards to the solution and how it does that job. Um, it's so easy to work from product and feature outward and, and try to then that, that, that leads to selling that leads to traditional selling. But if you start with empathy and work your way backwards, that leads to inbound selling where you're, you say, I'm here. I understand your issue. I understand the job you want to do. And I know how to help you because I know how to, I know how to improve your business and I'm going to help you reach your goals, which in turn then helps me reach my goals. That's the empathy piece, right? You, because traditional salespeople start out with, oh, I have a quota. So now they just start banging against the the doors and picking up the phone to, to try to hit that quota. So um, again, it's it's a it's a change, but I love the word empathy. That is the flip side of of uh, being helpful. Yeah, and it's uh, funny because again, you and me, so many of us, it's the it really is sort of the the bane of our existence, or or it is the thing that you, Todd Hockenberry, and I probably for the rest of our working careers, are still going to have to be <laughs> explaining <laughs> to companies. Um, but uh, let's go back up the chain of command here. You, you said, because we're not just talking about marketing tactics here. That, that's something everyone's familiar with, and it's probably a small part of the book. Let's go back up. And you say that you need to start with a mission. So what is an example of an inbound mission versus something that is, that is not uh, valid? Uh, but people might think is. And we're not talking about the marketing department. <laughs> all, all you CEOs, we're talking about the mission. We're talking about you. <laughs> yeah, the, the mission is really the statement of how your company helps a customer achieve a certain goal and how you go about doing that. And the, the difference between a kind of a standard throwaway mission statement that's on the wall that nobody knows is count your buzzwords, right? If you're talking about best practice, world-class, you're not those things. So, and those things don't mean anything anymore. Quality. These words don't mean anything to anybody anymore from a from a com communicative standpoint. So, number one, you, you've got to define your mission. There's kind of five pieces uh, or descriptors of a good mission, and um, the, the, those are that needs to be accurate. It needs to be what you do day in day out. Something that you can use to kind of hold yourself and your team accountable to walk the walk. Uh, it needs to be simple, straightforward, easy to understand. It needs to be distinctive. If somebody else, if any other company in the world could take that mission statement and say it's theirs as well, then you don't have a good mission statement. Mm -hmm. It needs to be very unique. It should be short. Um, normally, we would say it'd be something that would fit in a tweet, though tweets just got longer. But it needs to be short and memorable. It needs to have some some longevity to it in the sense that it should stand the test of time. This is not something you should change every day or every week or month, uh, maybe not even yearly. It's probably should be something that lasts three to five years minimum. And then lastly, it needs to be inspiring and uh, aspirational. It needs to be something that makes the people that work for your company proud. And frankly, it should be something your customers look at and say, that's what I believe too. And I, I, I can align with that. And the, the reason the mission is so critical is that it sets the tone for everybody in the company, and it sets the tone for for everything everybody does. And um, some of the memorable ones are things like Google's "Don't be evil," um, things like that. Those become very memorable, and they become things that people can rally around and guide their their day to day decisions. So that's a, that's kind of the the start of the cultural piece, because the mission then feeds into the culture, and the culture is what you use. To, to manage your business so that you deliver on the on the promise of the mission. Right. And uh, that uh, part in the book about this mission, I read it and I thought, yes, there's nowhere to hide there because you were very specific, just like your answer there, about how to do it. And then you even include examples of, okay, yeah, you didn't have these words, but it's like unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> and you explain, <laughs> no, that is not, here's why that doesn't work. So uh, you talk about corporate culture. Uh, just this week, I was up at my alma mater for their first ever uh, you know, business leadership and innovation summit, and it was a, a very focused on entrepreneurs. And there was this one panel, and there were some uh, alumni who were enormously successful. There was one fellow who was the chairman of a Fortune 500 company, like a $10 billion company. And they were talking about the importance of corporate culture. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they hadn't read your book, obviously, but they were talking about this, and I wanted to stand up in the audience and say, are you people listening to this? This is important. <laughs> Why, though, is it's not a uh, – I'm, I'm fed up with people talking about it's a buzzword. Can you just touch on why corporate culture is more important for business success now than even five years ago? Oh, there's, a, there's really a bunch of reasons. Um, I'll give you the big reason, and I'll use a Peter Drucker quote, who's obviously amazing, and, and uh, his quotes stand the test of time. And this, this quote's in the book. It's, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And, and most companies start with the strategy piece and decide, oh, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to attack the market. This is where we're going to position. And then they don't take into account the culture required to deliver that. And that's what I think he's talking about where it says it eats it for breakfast. Yeah, a nice strategy is great, but if it's not aligned with your culture, it's dead. Yeah, exactly. And, and culture is more important now because uh, the, the as buyers change, one of the things that they're looking for is they want to be part of uh, or associated with companies that match their belief system and match their view of the world and match their the way they want to be worked with. So they have lots of choices. They can choose to work with anybody they want. And um, so it has, it has a culture has an impact on your buyers, but it also clearly has an impact on your employees. And in the kind of talent wars we're in today with really low unemployment, and uh, I hear this from my clients all the time about how they, they struggle to find the best people. Culture is a magnet for talent. And um, just like your your customers can rank you, rate you, evaluate you online, your employees can too. Um, I've had clients recently where I've said, "Hey, go check Glassdoor out and see how you're rated." And they say, "What's Glassdoor?" Oh, oh. <laughs> so there, the employee piece, your culture is what will be evaluated in those reviews. Um, so, again, even, this isn't even just big companies. This is small companies. I, I work with a small company in Texas that's probably $4 million in revenue and uh, 50 people, and they have Glassdoor rankings and Google reviews, and they have an impact on their ability to attract talent. So culture is a direct impact to that. Mm-hmm. And um, culture is the kind of sum total of, of your your environment and how you work with people, your beliefs, how you manage teams, how you make decisions, um, how you um, um, create procedures and processes, uh, and then how you kind of um, uh, attract other people to you. These things all add up to your culture, and it, it makes a huge difference in terms of um, being able to deliver on the promise of the mission which then directly impacts the marketing side, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're all in a glass house now, so st- stop <laughs> trying to fake it. Stop trying to BS people. Uh, do good things. Help people. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist can help your career. Listening to the Marketing Book Podcast says more about you than you may realize. In addition to being physically attractive, Seriously, I've met many of you, and you are a very attractive audience. It also means that you're curious and serious about your business success, and you enjoy learning new things. And your interest in learning also means you're either successful or will be, because all the research indicates that big learners are big earners. Plus, with all the changes happening in marketing and sales, continuous learning is crucial. But there's only so much time and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 2,000 best-selling nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are really top-notch, including several books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Merriman Scott, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, Epic Content Marketing by Joe Polizzi, Everybody Writes by Ann Hanley, Hug Your Haters by Jay Bear, and many, many more. It took me hours to read those books, but you can get smart audio summaries of each one in just 15 minutes. 
Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 1 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. I recommend getting the yearly plan, that's what I did, and getting 20% off because you're going to want to keep it anyway. But don't worry because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast, and that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the Marketing Book Podcast and that you want that discount. You'll get the free version or 20% off your annual plan. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. It's a great, inexpensive, and very smart investment in your professional development and career. And now, back to the show. A couple other things in the book that were just, they're so important and I believe so strongly about. Um, let's talk about personas. Mm-hmm. You know, explain what they are and why they are the core of inbound strategies. I often say, you know, there's no secret sauce to, to what we're doing, but I think personas are pretty damn close to it. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you, Doug. I, I would think that, um, uh, the secret of a lot of the sex success we've had with clients and with people that successfully Im, Im, uh, implement inbound is that they develop a persona first. They don't start out with marketing tactics or strategy. They develop the persona first, which is starting outside and working in. So a persona is is really a, a, a representation or understanding of your target buyer. And it is less a demographic thing than it is kind of a psychographic behavioral thing which means that it's about how they go through the buying process, how they make decisions, the kind of things they look at to make those decisions, the criteria they use, uh, the timing of those those decisions, uh, the influencers of those decisions, what triggers them to go look for a solution, and then again, how they go through the buying journey. And um, it's a really customer-centric understanding of them, the issues they have, and how they go about solving them. And then what you do with that persona then is to match it up to your all of your content, all of your marketing, and and all of ex- your entire company. Right? If if your persona expects easy, fast, simple payment terms and being able to pay you, then if your financial and accounting people don't deliver that, then you haven't delivered on the promise of your persona. Um, so the persona guides all the activities of the company uh, because again it's starting out and working our way back and um, I mentioned the word demographics and I want to make a quick point that the difference in a persona and a demographic kind of a traditional marketing look is that demographics are based on the commonalities so if you think about all the people that live in your neighborhood you're you all maybe have the same size house drive the same kind of car roughly the same age you you live in the same zip code you might have relatively cl- similar income those are all demographic things but think about how much different you are from your neighbor uh, in terms of what you like what you do how you make decisions what you do for fun, there's a huge difference, right? So a persona is finding out those differences uh, and, and kind of washing away the demographic piece and understanding who has the problem and who has the goal um, that, that they want to achieve that we can help them achieve it. So it's less about the actual, these kind of commonalities than it is the, the similarities. Yeah, that's such an important point to make. And, you know, somebody could say, oh, our buyers are uh, millennials. And it's like, well, that's nice to know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the people you're describing, that persona, it could be a baby boomer and a millennial. Exactly. I'll give you a quick example from the book. We had, a, uh, and this is a case study we did in the book, and they they had kind of a barbell case study, which means it was kind of on the small end and on the large end. The, we, we did in the research we did, we found that their persona was very large manufacturing companies that had huge production volumes and one-off job shops that did very high quality. Uh, low volume things. Their equipment actually solved those two problems. It was a very interesting persona work. They had very common requirements. So it, it was a revelation to them and it really improved their ability to reach a market because they could target to those uh, those two very specifically. Mm-hmm. So Todd, uh, just a couple of the things in the book um, you talk about is there beyond personas and that is content. And you talk about why 
inbound organizations, they need to be great at producing and publishing content. Why? Well, in the age of buyer control, <clears throat> the age of a uh, certain percentage of the sales process being over before they call your salesperson, um, on the extreme end would be something like, a, a um, say you wanted to buy a car. Last time I bought a car, I was 99.9% .9 of the way through the buying process before I ever talk, talked to a salesperson. Mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew what I wanted. I knew every option. I knew what they had on the lot. I knew the pricing. I knew everything. I educated myself. Um, on the low end, maybe you're buying a piece of capital equipment that has um, lots of, of maybe it's half a million dollars worth of uh, equipment, and you're gonna you're gonna do your research online. But relatively early in the process, maybe 30 or 40 percent of the way through, you're gonna call uh, companies and start talking to a salesperson. But regardless, some percentage of the sales process is over before they reach out to you. They're going to be researching you online, I promise. So your content is your connection to those people in that time. Up front, that's your first introduction many times to, to this prospect or your future customer. So your content has to reflect the persona work you did. It, it should reflect the goals they have, and it should be about them, right? Again, this is where a lot of people miss it. They talk about just product-based content. So content's critical for the upfront kind of awareness stage, the initial part of the process. It's also critical through the sales process once your sales team gets involved, and even after the sale, right? Content is oftentimes the way people want to communicate. They want to they want to read case studies. They want to use calculators. They want to go on a frequently asked questions page or a resource page. Um, think about all the times you want to solve a problem. Do you get you call people up and wait on hold till you get an answer, or do you search online to try to find a YouTube video that that explains it, or find uh, an article that gives you the answer? We, we know the answer to that question. Your content is the connection. And, it, and in many ways, it's your brand and it's your voice during all of those times. So um, content is, is really critical uh, to the, the whole idea of inbound marketing for sure. But we believe really to the kind of idea of an inbound organization um, going forward. And the content isn't only for your customers. It is for your internal people as well. Well, it's also for your prospective customers and your customers. Um, and I, the, 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 I just want to underscore one thing you said. This is content that's helpful for your customers, not about your product. <laughs> is it, is yeah. it about a problem they have? And you know, just to circle back for a second, I'm getting all excited here, Todd, but you know, we'll go and do, uh, you know, the workshop with the client and they'll say, Oh, these are the questions the customer always has. And it's always about, that last 25% of their journey or after they've become a customer. Then we go and do the interview with their customers about that first 75% of their life <laughs> when right. they started, had, they had a problem and the kind of the steps going forward to it. And, you know, invariably the, the interviews have nothing to do with the client's product. It has to do with their world, their life, their problems, what their hopes and aspirations are and their, you know, latent anxieties and desires. And, you know, we come back and they act as if we've spoken to the burning bush or something. And it's like, wow, you really understood them. <laughs> it was just those five rings of insight that were in Adele Ravella's book that you mentioned in yours. Just these five things you need to understand about your customers. I'm going to get it off my soapbox in just a second here. <laughs> but yeah, it works great for your marketing and your sales. But I would argue it's even more important for your product development and your product delivery. It goes way beyond marketing. Absolutely correct. And, and you mentioned Adele Ravella. She was awesome. Uh, I use her book, Buyer Personas. Uh, I've been using it for years to help us guide the persona work we do. And she was a contributor to the book and she was awesome to get to know. And and she added a lot to the book. Uh, so I recommend her book as well. But the um, you're absolutely correct. The persona work should inform the entire company, right? Product development, again, service, um, again, even on the on the transactional pieces, right? That you should be surveying your persona and understanding how that transaction uh, affects them and what they're looking for in that tra transaction. Uh, the um, um, this doesn't mean that there's no innovation from a technical point of view, but if it's not matched to the persona work where it's connected to the goals of the person you are targeting, then you run the risk of, of creating something that nobody wants. And that does happen a lot. There's a lot of products and services out there that nobody wants. And I, I think it probably has a lot to do with the fact that people don't do the persona work up front. Mm -hmm. Just one other thing about the, the content, and I'd like you to explain why uh, understanding the customer journey can inform what kind of content you should create more than people realize. I mean, you probably get people saying, well, what should we write about? What, what kind of content should we produce? Uh, explain why the customer journey can become the backbone of a company's helpful content. Sure. It's, it's a roadmap 
that um, is not a hard and fast thing that always happens, but it's kind of a guideline for your team to understand that when when certain things happen, your customers are asking certain questions and that you have certain content that could answer those questions. When, when somebody's just trying to understand whether they really have a problem or not, that's more educational kind of upfront early content that's more framing out the issue to help them understand that, yes, you may really have an issue and there's a way to solve it. Once they go through that, then you're going to be getting into more kind of consideration content where they're considering the alternative solutions. Am I going to try this technology or that technology? Am I going to buy this machine or that machine or work with this service company or that service company? And the content can help them sort through that, uh, those decisions. You can create things like buying guides. Um, uh, one of the things we've had a lot of success with is is creating content around the idea of how to buy X and you essentially lay out the process and you give them checklists and calculators and things to look for as they go through the process. Yeah, like do you need to buy it? Should you buy or lease? Why, you know, why it makes sense to uh, upgrade your old one? <laughs> it's basically as if you were writing it for your friend. And even on top of that, you would say when it's not a good fit. Yes. This is big trust, big trust is built there. Yeah, exactly. Because and people are fearful. They don't want to say no because they always want to leave that hedge open and they get in trouble because then they take clients that they shouldn't take. They create a bad experience and then they create this bad cycle. And Todd Hockenberry, does that ever end well? No, it never ends well. <laughs> never ends well. My wife, actually, when we started our business, was the one who came up with the, our persona, Walt, and, and and was insistent on it. And this was 10 years ago. So I, she's, it just show, tells you how much smarter she is than I am. And it, it has helped us personally in our business so much because we've stayed focused on that persona and stayed in that lane and we've been successful with our clients. And uh, and again, if you're dealing with reputation or, or referrals or recommendations, that's what you have. So to take bad clients is a mistake for you and for them. So don't do it. And persona and journey can help you do that. Yeah. And Todd, and to the listener, I'd just like to say, pay attention to what your wife's telling you. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so Todd, if readers took only one thing away from the book... What would you hope it would be? I think that the number one takeaway is that this is valid for all companies and that it's a mindset shift and not just a tactical change in in, uh, the way you might do a certain part of your marketing or your sales. To, To really do inbound, you have to be inbound, which means you have to think, change who you are and how you think. And um, if you can do that, then you can you can connect with the modern buyer, and uh, you can deliver what they want. Oh, well said. And, and if you can do that, everything else falls, starts falling into place. I've seen it. You've seen it. Yep. Oh, we want to help you people. Um, so, Todd, what books have inspired your work and career? Well, I mentioned the buyer personas from Adele Ravella. Um, you mentioned Marcus Sheridan, who also was a contributor to our book, and his book, They Ask You Answer, is excellent. Um, I'm a big fan of Dan Pink. I think To Sell as Human is probably my favorite sales book of all time. Mm. Um, this may be a little curveball one, but there's a gentleman, his name's Alan Weiss, and he's a consultant to consultants. And uh, I think his work and his writing has been super influential to myself and our business and just about everything we do. And he's, he's an, he, he wrote a book? He's written, I think, 60 books. So he's got plenty oh, of books. Oh, man. Well, now I'm going to have to go find out about him. I'll, have, <laughs> so I got I'll try to include links to his site or whatever. He has a new book out, so you should ask him to be on the podcast. Okay. Um, the um, uh, the last one was a book that Dan and I, as we were writing our book, we aspired to. And I certainly make no claim that we, we've reached these heights. But Reengineering the Corporation by Michael Hammer and uh, James Champy from when well, I was probably 20 years ago, um, was a book that was in our minds in terms of uh, the kind of impact and kind of statement we wanted to make. We wanted people to think about changing their business. Oh, and I think you quoted that in your book at one point. We did, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, we'll make sure to include links to all those uh, so people can go find them at marketing your episodes, show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Are there any uh, recent or upcoming books that you recommend or looking forward to reading now that you have time to read books? <laughs> yes, I've got uh, – well, there's there's three other books coming out uh, right around the same time. At the same time, our book's coming out. There's a book that dives deep on – on selling. It's called Inbound Selling by Brian Signorelli. Uh, it gets into a detail about the inbound selling process. There's another one called Inbound Content that's coming out that gets uh, into a lot more detail about how to create great content. And uh, a third one called Inbound PR. So I would recommend them all. Um, they're all going to be on the shelves in Barnes & Noble on April 24th. And um, 
Um, the other one I'm looking forward to reading, it's actually on my desk right now, is the new Dan Pink book, When. Oh, terrific, terrific. Yeah. yeah, I know just the podcast, some of those other inbound books ought to uh, <laughs> think about being on. And I know uh, I know uh, Brian Signorelli, and you mentioned all of them uh, in here, so that's great. So, Todd, how best can listeners learn more about you and the new book? Inboundorganization.com is our website. And uh, on that site, you'll have lots of links to resources and other things that we've been doing. And uh, the book will be available April 24th, uh, bookstores everywhere. Again, it's going to be on the uh, the online stores, uh, um, Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Just search Inbound Organization. You'll find it. And uh, we appreciate all your support. So on Twitter, they can also find you at Todd Hockenberry. Just spell it like it sounds. And your co-author, Dan Tyre, D-A-N-T-Y-R-E. Uh, I'm at Marketing Book marketing book on Twitter. So if you're out there and you're on Twitter, make sure to say hello to, to Todd and Dan. Thank uh, Todd for being on the podcast. And we're also going to include links to your LinkedIn profile and Dan's so that folks can uh, reach out to you and, and, and get in touch. So I'd just like to read just one last thing from the very last page of the book. Inbound has already become more than just a marketing strategy. The original strategy reflected the changes in buying behavior, but Inbound Today has come to represent a way of thinking, a mindset, and a philosophy for growing your business in the 21st century. The name of the book is Inbound Organization, How to Build and Strengthen Your Company's Future Using Inbound Principles. The authors are Todd Hockenberry and Dan Tyre. Todd, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you for letting me be here. That closes the book on episode 171 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor Blinkist to support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan, visit Blinkist.com slash marketingbookpodcast. I also have a link to that special offer at marketingbookpodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome Rand Fishkin to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Lost and Founder, a painfully honest field guide to the startup world. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.